Hello and welcome in everyone to episode 176 of the Bases Loaded Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. And as promised, we have some dynasty talk. We're going to talk some, I guess, buy, sell. We have some guys that are overperforming, underperforming in this year. Some some sleeper prospects, I would call them, I guess. I hate the term sleeper, but these are prospects that are barely rostered in fan tracks leagues of all places. And of course, I am joined by our dynasty I'm going to be cliche dynasty guru. <laughs> Sorry, Ryan. I couldn't resist. Right. Ryan's yeah. here. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Ven underscore oh, Ven underscore on barn. Right. Like I always, I, I, I'm a terrible host, <laughs> terrible host. Yeah. That's but my ridiculous Twitter handle. Yeah. I'm glad you stuck with it, by the way, Ven underscore arm barn. And uh, yeah, I mean, you just released an article on SK playbook today about uh, velocity readings and pitch mix changes and you're, you've been doing that weekly now i know i know we'll obviously adapt as things change and slow down but for now it's weekly and don't forget to check that out um i tweet we tweeted out today it's on the website skplaybook.com uh i think that's sweet no don't forget to check us out on patreon.com slash skplaybook where daily article uh, daily lineup no, it's pretty much an article daily exclusive to the Patreon. We have a Discord you and I are pretty active in, as well as George. Um, I'm underselling it because I'm really bad at this, but <laughs> I got a couple other tools. If you just check us out, there's a few things. As To get all that, it starts as little as $3 a month. So uh, now we can get into the Dynasty talk. But actually, before that, I'm a terrible host. Again, Ryan, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. It's a beautiful day out in uh, the state of New Jersey. And um, I just took my dog for a walk. Nice. Yeah, I, I just got my. We were just talking about how both of our dogs are on anxiety medication. I think I could use some. But uh, I'm looking out my window. It's a beautiful blue skies here in Florida as well. Florida is always beautiful though. So who am I to? Except for when it, rain, it's, it rains like every five minutes. But when it's not raining, it's like beautiful. Uh, but yeah, beautiful day to talk baseball as always. Today is what March 26th. So it'll be out first. <laughs> April. April 26th. April 26th. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. April 26th. March 26th was a month ago. I can't count. Three is March, four is April. Gosh, what would I do without you, Ryan? So today's April 26th, oh, 2022. Time. I got the year right. And uh, yeah, we're going to jump right into the Dynasty stuff. So let's let's start at the top. You and I talked about him a little bit off or prior to recording, off air, so to speak. Alec Bohm, uh, Dynasty formats. Are you buying into what we're seeing first off early on in the season? Is he more or less the same player to you? Are you, are you willing to sell high? Where are you at with Alec Bohm? I mean, he has the potential to be someone that's usable in fantasy. Um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a stolen base guy, even though he stole like, four bases last year. And you're probably only going to expect four to five. But um, he definitely has some warts that um, people kind of just glossing over after buying his early hot start. Uh, for one, he's the probably one of the worst defenders in baseball. <laughs> um he hasn't been that bad previously, but I guess he just like can't throw to first base now. But um, that's going to really affect his playing time down the road if he's not hitting. Like if he has a 120 WRC plus, the Phillies are going to play him. But I'm not sure he's that type of hitter yet. So the bad defense could affect his playing time. And then on top of that, he hits the ball on the ground way more than you want from a power hitter. And this dude's like 6'5". You don't want him hitting the ball on the ground ever. And he 
has the spray chart of like a left-handed hitter. He hits everything up the middle and to the right side. And really, the only balls that he pulls are grounders, too. He doesn't, like, pull any fly balls. So very suboptimal for power. Um, I had someone in my, I forgot who it was, in my Twitter mentions when I posted about Bomb, comparing him to DJ LeMahieu. The issue with that is that uh, DJ LeMahieu's swinging strike rate is probably half of Alec Bomb's, and DJ LeMahieu is uh, 10 times the defender. So he's sort of like DJ LeMahieu, but um, it is far from a perfect. Yeah, and... You mentioned it. His swing strike rate is already like this year. It's already higher than it has been in past seasons. So, so it's surprised that the strikeouts haven't they haven't creeping up lately. If you look at his like first seven games or second seven games, Bohm's strikeouts have almost like doubled over that span. And with the swing strike rate of fifteen point two percent, which at this point I still think he's more of eleven percent guy, league average guy, which is what he's been the last two years. But more concerning is like the lack of zone contact, lack of contact as a whole right now. It's all under under a uh, blow average. So I don't know how he's, I guess just the hot starts really carrying at triple sauce right now, but I do believe, I mean, he was a bat first prospect. So I still think that that tool is still his strength and it will be what keeps him in the majors and no one doubts the power, but you mentioned it. I think you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned his approach when Bohm is not pulling the ball at all. That's going to, I mean, regardless of how much power you hit, if you're putting it all up the middle or to the or opposite field, you have to be an elite power hitter for that to be consistently putting up like, you know, big power numbers, like a Miggy who could put up 30 hitting opposite field back in the day, or like Vlad, you know, elite power types. I don't think Bohm, I know Bohm has some max exit velocity and some overall exit velocity strength in this game. Of course, I just don't think it's at the elite level. So 30 home run season, I think that's like peak projection at this point, considering what we've seen so far in his approach. Um, but he also, I don't know, the contact rates have always are tip, two out of three years have been under below average. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not excited. What I'm thinking realistically this year, and now this is where I get into redraft stuff. I want make 20 to 25 home runs to 70 ish batting average. Like that seems fair. That's okay. <laughs> like the batting average is, I guess, strength, but if he stays batting at the bottom of the order, or if Stott shows out and takes over because of his defense, there's, like you mentioned, the warts in the game or defense. And if he's not hitting much above average, I don't know. You see, I'm like really frustrated because I know there's a skill set there or potential for skill set there, but it just hasn't shown out at the major league level yet. Yeah. I mean, the, um, he's hit eight home runs in his last 450 plate appearance. That's good, right? <laughs> so I even think 20 might be too much. He might be like a 15 homer, 260 hitter that, gives you no speed. I just, uh, I personally do not see the appeal. I get it. If maybe you're a tanking team and you want to take on a project and maybe uh, Kevin Long is their hitting coach now, right? Mm-hmm. The Phillies. He's a very good hitting coach. Maybe and that's the appeal. I keep, I, people keep bringing that up and I, I understand that, but I've also heard the Welsh mention on his shows like uh, that um boom i'm thinking long now that boom isn't a guy who's been very into analytics in the past and all that so even if kevin long tries to bring an approach a certain type of approach it doesn't mean boom's gonna be receptive the player has to be equally receptive as you know as so the so the coach can even be helpful and help improve the player's game all that to be all that being said is yes there are reasons for hope but to project all that coming together after we haven't seen it before for a guy, for a guy, and especially for a guy who came in with questionable playing time and could end up back in that type of situation, I'm with you. It's kind of like a, like I guess. I mean, I, right now though, right now there is a sell high window in Dynasty. Would you be looking to do so, or would you just hold tight and see where it goes? No, no, I would definitely sell high for sure. Even though, like, 
I don't know what people are going to be buying. Uh, the person you're trading to doesn't think he's going to hit 315, I would imagine. <laughs> and he only has one home run. So it's really just like, I don't even know if you sell high on him. But I had thought when you were talking about the um, analytics thing that he doesn't buy into analytics, that sounds to me exactly like Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer <laughs> always, always had really good max EVs, really good contact rates, better than Baum. And he always hit the ball on the ground. And I, as, a, as a Royals fan, I remember him saying several times he wasn't super into analytics and he wasn't going to change his approach because he's a major leaguer and above average major leaguer. So he wasn't going to change it. Um, and that's, that's what it sounds like. The I mean, bomb, again, the peak bomb is going to be like 17 homers with a 280 average. And that, that could change. Maybe that was just maybe that was an old approach of his or a, a thing. I, maybe how he used to feel about him. I can't speak to that. I just know what I heard uh welsh mentioned on prospects one so I, I i hold on to that because he's a guy who has a chance to interact with these players too on the fields and all that in arizona so this isn't just like a known like this isn't like something he just made up you know he had a chance he's had the chance to see this and talk about it firsthand apparently um but another guy on this list is what is it huascar you know i'm trying to say the name correctly huascar you know you know yeah uh he was sent down he's obviously coming back from an injury so start short in spring what is your concern level with him and what are you doing with him in dynasty performance because obviously in redraft I, be, I mean unless you have an il slot and even then most likely you have a higher end il player he is a drop right now i would think in most formats but what are you doing otherwise with you know yeah, I mean, in redraft, he's a drop. I'm just going to look to see what he does to his minor league appearances. If he strings together some good starts, then I'm definitely going to pick him up. Um, but in dynasty, um, he's definitely someone I want to trade for because his stuff is just so good. Um, his slider last year was his primary pitch and had a 40% whiff rate. And then his changeup, which is sort of a work in progress, it's not a nearly as refined as, as his fastball and slider. Had a 40% whiff rate. Um, that's a little misleading because his command of his changeup is pretty bad. <laughs> but, um, I mean, his average fastball velocity last year was 96.5. And even this year was 96.6. So my the only thing I can think of why he was struggling so much is that he needed like two, three more weeks of spring training because he had a bad shoulder. And that, um, you know, he should just need a few starts under his belt to get his command back. I'm, I mean, this kid is way more talented than Bryce Elder. And um, was there other, don't they have two bad starters? Um, like they, Bryce well, Elder? Had, I think it was Kyle Wright initially before the breakout was the other. Oh, so it's a Bryce. So he's going to take Bryce Elder's spot eventually. Yeah. I think, um, I think, I think it was Wright and Elder that people weren't sure about. And then obviously Wright has taken a step forward. Um, yeah. Cause right now it's Elder Anderson, Morton, Freed and Wright. Okay. Yes. It's just, yeah, I don't, it was like I said, right. Was in that conversation, but obviously right is not anymore. That's why. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. But yeah. So, you um, know, as a, so he's a hold, uh, you can probably go out and buy real low right now. Cause I guarantee you, most people aren't looking at them. And actually we talked about this in the discord a little bit, cheap plug, you know, for that discord, you should be joining, but uh, we talked about that and you actually, you know, you brought up, you know, uh, and someone even mentioned like you're, outlook on him is probably more favorable than a lot of places are right now so and obviously this could be something you're just in on more than others but maybe I mean, he, had, to he had a 27 strikeout rate and a six percent walk rate last year and he's 24 years old like i don't he's not even 24 years old yet so and his fastball velocity is elite his slider's elite he's on a team that develops pitching and he's 23 years old i, I don't know what's not to like like i know we were talking before we went on the pod that um you know it's still such a small sample 
I'm not really changing my mind. Like I spend hours of research in the off season on a lot of these <laughs> players. I'm not changing my mind because of three weeks. You should. Obviously, three weeks matter. Okay. <laughs> if someone gets hurt, if someone loses a ton of velocity, if someone, you know, just a clear, horrible at the plate. I was going to say a clear change of skill, though. Yeah, a clear change of skill. Then then I'll maybe change my mind on someone after three weeks or a month. But I still think he knows a stud, and I would be heavily buying. And, and you know, you don't want to send something too much. You know, just because I like him a lot, you don't want to offer, like, a really good prospect for him. I would offer, like, a second or third round first-year player draft pick and see if the person accepts that. Maybe they just they're doing a roster crunch and they need to cut someone. And then, you know, if they decline that, maybe offer like a fringe prospect and see if you can get them for cheap. I mean, that probably is the best way to go. I mean, you'd be surprised. And honestly, in the shallower of dynasty formats, he might just be dropped. Like you wouldn't be surprised. So maybe somebody you could look into stashing or put on your watch list and pick up, especially if it's shallow enough, 10 team or so, maybe look to pick him up when you hear news of him returning soon, get ahead of the curve on that one. Uh, Cause usually the, these types of rumors, or you can just see underperformance if Bryce elder uh, underperforms as expected or anticipated. Maybe, you know, uh, you can just kind of pick up, you know, expecting that swap to happen. Um, another couple of buyer sell types, uh, Byron Buxton's on this list and I don't want you to go. I see the notes and <laughs> I'm a huge Buxton guy. Unless you're com- I'm going to push back already. I, I get why it makes so much sense to sell high. He's yes. Yes. <laughs> he's he's <laughs> obviously so high, but if you're trying to win it right now, you're not selling him. Right. Like I, I, I he has to be someone you hold in that situation. Right. That's the only mm. thing I could think of. I mean, there's no way you no, say sell no. high regardless. No, no, I'd be trading. Him. I had a really good, absolutely. Um, I traded, I traded Buxton and Jordan for Mookie Adele and Frankie Monta. Um, I just am. I want to get, he's a ticking time bomb. And I want to get rid of him if I have him. I only drafted him in two leagues and I already traded him one of them and I'm going to try to trade him in the other. Um, I think the thing that no one is talking about, aside from the injuries, everyone knows the injuries. Yes. He's only played in 52% of games over the last five seasons, which is obscene. 52% of games. Like I, that, that has to be the lowest mark of anyone in baseball. Don't, aside don't, from that, Don't bring that negativity over here, man. This is not... I'm trying to help you win your fantasy league. I don't, positivity, <laughs> negative t- negativity. We're trying to win here. I, I guess. And <laughs> another thing that no one has brought up, He's he has a 67% fly ball rate and a 67% pull rate. He is trying to hit a home run every this is going to be working. like the mark it's working it's 10 games. It's working. So, so what's going to happen is it's going to be the Marcus Simeon approach and Baron and instead of thinking you're going to get out what is he hitting right now 360 or something absurd 350 he hit 306 last year. I think he's a 250 hitter honestly. And the other thing about Buxton is that he hasn't had a large enough sample because he gets injured so much that we haven't seen regression since he's become good because he doesn't play enough to see regression. So like Otani is saying right now, Otani's having a rough stretch because he swings and misses a lot. Uh, Buxton has a very similar swing and miss profile. He, his swinging strike rate right now is 18% with a 62% contract rate. Those are atrocious numbers. He'll but be he fine. hasn't played, I he don't hasn't need played your... enough. <laughs> he hasn't played <laughs> enough to see regression. So right now you're going to see six homers in 10 games. Oh my God. He's going to hit 60 home runs this year. Yes, he is. And steal 20 bases. Yes. I'm cutting you off because he is. That's it. Just buy high. Okay. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I I get it. But we also know that even if he's selling off a power a little bit right now, I think there's a long enough track record to know he's a better hitter than like 
even if things bottomed out, he could probably revert back. There's no reason why he can't revert What's back to being What's a better track hitter. record. 70 games. Uh, don't, don't be a smart Alec. Don't, don't do <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't have a track record. He's been a great hitter for 70 games. Uh, that's enough to say Alec Bohm is going to be a great, you know, bounce back candidate that, Oh, sorry. All you need was 44 games for that in 2020. Um, that's a, that's a little jab at our buddy Kev no, but, because uh, yesterday's okay. conversation, but anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just I think it's someone no one's talking about. Obviously, you see the six homers in 10 games, but he has it probably. It's, I'm not joking, it's the most volatile hitter profile I've ever seen in my life. Uh, and then you're not guy. even talking about the injuries, yeah, it's without and, the injury 32. Per, and I think he's going to be like a 28 30 percent K, really low walk guy. He's always been a low walk, he's a five percent walk rate. Perfect, you're talking about 30 percent K, five percent walk. I, I don't know, man. Like I do know Otani, that like, Otani has like a 15% walk rate and that's what masks, you know, Otani was bad in the second half last year, but at least he walked and then allowed him to steal bases on top. I don't want to keep piling on, but on top of this, how do we know Buxton's going to steal his first stolen base attempt of the year? He got friggin' hurt. It wasn't a stolen base attempt. He got hurt on. All right. It was a, uh, a crappy, it was a crappy pop-up. It was, it was like a pop-up, right. That he had no business. Like he wasn't even trying to run it out. He was just kind of running the bases because he got under it and they lost it in the sun. It fell like it landed in between like almost like a Bermuda triangle deal, just landed in the middle of like three defenders. And he was like halfway around first and decided to take off the second and then had like an awkward slide. So that wasn't at least it wasn't stolen base at the time. I did see him still base, but it was like late in the game and no one cared. I'm not worried about Buxton as much because um, for instance, it's like Tim Anderson. Yes. I understand Tim Anderson's, contact skills have been better and all that but it's um what i'm getting at is that tim anderson has this whole skill set of being fast and allowing it to help him outperform like certain metrics like when he was struggling with swing and miss um and he's able to carry a higher babip i think buxton has that type of elite speed to where he might not be he's not gonna be a 300 hitter like and anderson i will i'm not gonna sit here and argue for that but he can be 260 with some ugly metrics because I think the elite, I think as long as he's hitting a lot of line drives and he's able, and again, that speed being so elite will allow him to play up to a higher Babbitt, regardless of where he hits the ball. I think that's going to help him um, overproduce any type of struggles he has. If there's some swing and miss issues or if there's some weak contact issues, I think Buxton has that type of profile where he can overcome that, like a Tim Anderson did once upon a time and now has since improved and gotten better, blah, blah, blah. But sure, then there's flashier, not- there's flashier power and other stuff there. But, yeah, but not if Buxton has a 50% flying ball rate, he's not going to hit. Yeah. Well, maybe, I, I, don't, I just uh, how many I don't those, know. It's too small of a sample. To I'm going to look any... it up because I'm wondering, because, you know, if you go depending on what site you go on, some of those fly balls are lying drives depending on which site you look at. Well, Fangraphs has them at 67%. That's used, and, I usually use Fangraphs. So do I. But I do like to play this game of which site favors my argument. And... <laughs> And right now, we're, I'm looking. I'm pulling it up right now. It's loading, but we can move on in the process. Talk to you about Joe Adele and why you think he's a buy low. Oh, I just searched Buxton on Savant to look at his fly ball rate, but I'll, I'll go to Adele. Uh, the reason why I, I love Joe Adele, even though this is strictly dynasty leagues, because fifty percent fly ball rate. Sorry to interrupt. Fifty percent fly ball rate. No big deal. Anyway, okay, so it's still really high. <laughs> yes, um, it's stupid high. Go ahead. Um, which is again great for homers, bad for average. Well, um, wait, wait, wait. The line drive rate, the line drive rate can help. Line drive rate is sitting at 20%. Not not terrible, not great. Just no yeah, ground balls. Fair. I'm okay with no ground balls. If he hits like literally majority five balls line drives, I think he'll be fine. 
Now, obviously, I don't want him pulling 58% of the balls, but I do think that's an early season anomaly. He's never hit, he's never pulled higher than 40, 47%, which was last year. So maybe it's not an anomaly. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it again. I, 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 Buxton, do what you want with him <laughs> in redraft. Obviously, you hold, I think you hold him redraft. I wouldn't sell high on him because I don't think you can sell much higher um, in redraft. But in dynasty, I get the, I get the appeal, I get the reasoning. There's I a, think you can. I think you can get Tucker plus for Buxton. If I could do that, then I in redraft. I think I would do that for sure. I um, think you definitely could do that. I just don't know if the is, is, are people really that worried about Kyle Tucker. He did this last year. He fooled us last year. He just went three for four yesterday. I think too. Like he's probably coming around. So you got he that. Just, you, you, you he have had to stone, act, He had a stone base too. Did he? Yeah, you have to. You have to act fast on buy low on Buxton. I mean on on a uh, Buxton on um on what's his face Tucker. Anyway, back to Joe Adele as you were. Yeah, I think um, looking at his metrics, he honestly just reminds me of Tyler O'Neill. Like, I think he's a, <laughs> a clone of Tyler O'Neill. Um, but Tyler O'Neill doesn't, at least Tyler O'Neill can hit breaking balls. <laughs> yeah, but he couldn't at 23. <laughs> Fair. So, so the reason why we're buying Adele is because he's 23. He has ridiculous tools. Yes. Obviously, in redraft, he's not going to play enough. Um, the Angels are the only team in baseball that has four good outfields. So, of course, Adele has to be on that team. And um, what you're really banking on is dynasty leagues. Either really his only path to playing time is he gets traded, Taylor Ward just sucks, or Trout gets hurt. Um, that's really his only his only path to playing time. So it's really not going to – I don't really see any of that happening this year, um, except for maybe Trout getting hurt. But the skills are just off the charts. Um, he hits the living crap out of the ball. He has, um, you know, 2020, he had a 115 max EV. Um, he has like top 10 in the league sprint speed. Um, like this is a potential 30, 20 player. Um, I don't know if I think Tyler O'Neill did that last year, but that's, that's really what I expect from Adele. The swing and miss is bad, but there's a chance it gets better just because <laughs> he really, he really hasn't had consistent playing time in major league baseball yet. Um, it's all like it's like Gavin Lux. When Lux Lux had really good AAA strikeout rates, and then when he came to the majors, it rose a little bit because he really never got consistent at bats. And as you get more and more consistent at bats, um, we've seen it from Austin Riley, seen it from Gavin Lux, Kyle Tucker. I think even struck out a little, got called up. You've got more consistent playing time. You get used to what the pitchers are doing to you. Um, and in dynasty, I just love chasing those two skills. I want guys that hit the ball really hard that are really good athletes. Sprint speed only isn't only good for being fast. It also tells you like how good of an athlete someone is. And being that good of an athlete really helps the adjustment period process. Guys like Tatis and Robert, I was really concerned about when they got called up, but they're such freak athletes that the adjustment period is so much shorter. And they also don't have contact issues. At least Robert doesn't anymore. He initially had some swing and miss concerns. Yeah, him, yeah, him and Tatis did when they first got called but up. But you know what? Adele isn't taking the same path. So, you know, I'm kidding. It's not fair to keep the compliment, obviously, but it is a fun way. It is fun to mess around and give you a yeah, hard time. I don't, I don't expect him to be Tatis. Or I don't expect him to be that good, but I do, I do think in a year in either 23 or 24, I think he can be Tyler. I think he can hit 35 homers with 20 steals and give you a good enough back. He's a good enough athlete. Um, you know what I am upset about because I just thought about it, and it's a little off topic. So tangent time with Mike has happened. Um, I was really excited because in the in the Discord you mentioned eating a shoe. We should have put over under amount of games on it. Obviously, I'm happy that uh, Chisholm is leading off and batting towards the top of the lineup. I just I honestly just figured 
he was going to, because I, especially after he pissed off Mattingly, I thought there was no chance he was moving up the lineup anytime soon, you know? So every day, even though he was hitting, I was like, I, I was looking forward to you eating a shoe. Cause I was going to buy some like bland, like jello shoe and have it sent to you and like shipped to you. I was going to make you eat one live for the, for the, for the discord. I, I was because you said you were going to do it and George was going to join you. So I'm really upset. He's bleeding off again tonight. And that's why I thought of just thought I'd mention that real quick. Like you yeah, might we, were, we were five months away. We were so close. So close. <laughs> I really, I really just thought I, my thing was, is I enjoyed giving you a hard time about it. And I'm upset that I can't give you a hard time about it. Like already I expected it to be like a month. Cause again, especially after the whole retweeting everything about how bad the Marlins are for not leading them off thing. <laughs> like, you know, I figured that was going to really, you know, give him, make it harder for him to move up the lineup. But when no one else at the top of the lineup besides Jesus Sanchez is performing, how do you not give the kid a chance, you know? So I don't know. I'm happy to see him up there. He has a, a it's been flashy, but I know the stats have slowed down a little bit last couple of games. I know he's been like, it's a home run. No, he lied. He had a really strong game the other day. It's been weird though. Cause I'll look at his line. I'll be like one for four with like a K and a, and a home run and a stolen base. And then it's like one for four with a home run, but then it's like three for four with like a home run. I'm like, well, this dude's just smashing right now. Hopefully it's not a repeat of last year. It, like the strong start. And then the mediocre well, five Chisholm, months after Chisholm is a perfect example of what I just said about Adele. That's the, all the reasons why I like Chisholm last year is why I like Adele. I love Chisholm because he had a really good max EV, really good sprint speed. He's an amazing athlete, and you know he's going to play every single day. He's going to get those consistent plate appearances to adjust to big league pitching, and it looks like he might have. And obviously, he's he's going to be a high strikeout guy. Again, Which is I don't, fine I don't, in, t- in today's game. Yeah, there's so many guys that have as, high strikeout rates that still perform. As long as he continues to barrel the ball well like he has, as long as Chisholm continues to hit the ball as hard as he does, keep the line drive rate up, has the plus speed, Yes, those tools will play, and I think Adele can get there. I just don't like just Madden, uh, Maddenly, wrong one. Madden has already come out, and, and Ward, to be fair, Ward has earned a spot starting the way he's been hitting. There's no, like, you can't really argue that. No, no. I, 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 but unfortunately, that's what I just said. they have, they're the only team in Major League Baseball that has four good outfields. But the, but unfortunately, just, he's just on the wrong team. Unfortunately, like Adele's actually making some, some growth. Like he hasn't struck out in two straight games after striking out every game prior or something like that i think i saw on twitter someone mentioned that yeah, so yeah. obviously he's already kind of made you can argue he's already making adjustments and now you're going to slow down that progress to platoon him on the weak side when marsh returns that just seems dumb it just seems like dumb from a i understand they want to win but who's their dh he's pretty good um shohei otani otani yeah duh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just i just think otani is this freak athlete like oh he's pitching and play i don't know i forgot they like i'm like why yeah. couldn't I think of it? Because I was like, outfield, outfield, outfield. Who's the DH? Duh. Yeah. Not no, only my... is Adele on a team with the the only team with four good outfielders, but he's also on a team with a guy that's that's never going to sit. Be- yes, yes, and he can win it again this year. He's he's absurd. Talk about athlete. Like that dude does. Like he's he's Babe Ruth in today's and day, same, day and age. Same reason you would have bet on Otani in 2020, uh, 2021 from twenty twenty. Yeah. That the max EV was off the charts. Sprint speed is off the charts. Guy fucking crushes the ball. Like these are the types of players you want to buy in dynasty leagues because plate discipline is someone is something that improves generally as you get older. The plate discipline gets better. You can't just get faster. You can't just hit the ball harder. So you want to look at those skills that okay. that, that that guys like have, um, like sprint speed, like max EV, like fly ball rates and like fly ball tendencies, pull tendencies. Those are skills that players generally don't develop. Like there's the outliers like Jorge Polanco and Marcus Simeon, but generally a player is who he is, but like sprint speed, barrel rate, max EV, those things don't just like pop up. Well, 
let's go ahead and talk about the next two guys on this list. And one kind of, I'll put them together. Gabriel Torres, Ty France, tale of two seasons. Um, one way more of a former prospect than the other. One has a, a track record. Like one has the, at least the seed, the outlier season, although it was in 2019 in Torres. But uh, yeah, you mentioned all that stuff. And I feel like neither one of these guys have that elite skill. So what are you doing with these guys? So I really like Labor Torres because he's more of like a sum of all parts. I know I just talked about how um, like sprint speed and maxi the braille rate and all that stuff is really important for buying guys in dynasty leagues. But Labor is more of like a sum of all parts. Um, and me and my buddy, Joe Gentile uh, talked about this on one of my pods <clears throat> a couple months ago that um, players are able to succeed by putting a bunch of skills together. So what Glaber does is he doesn't strike out. He, for his career, he has, a, has an above average walk rate. His barrel rates right around, right around average. So he's basically like above average at everything. And even though it might not look good on a stack cast page and a stack cast page is never going to be all red. It's kind of similar to Alex Bregman. Um, when you make enough contact, when you pull the ball enough in the air, when you walk enough, it, it makes it a lot harder for players to slump and it makes it a lot easier to you know, put together a solid season. The issue with Glaber is that for some reason, it's not all coming together yet. Um, even though it had in 2018 and 2019, 2021, he just had this crazy, really bad season. Even though, again, looking at his underlying metrics, they're like basically the same as 18 and 19. So either like there's a certain pitch in a certain area that he's not able to hit, or it's just the ball, something, but uh, everything I see from Glaber, I really like just because it's no different than the seasons. Obviously he's not going to hit 38 home runs again, but if you give, just give me 2018 in a full 150 game season, even 140 games, he's probably going to sit 20, 30 times this year. So if you give me a hundred and, 35, 140 games of Glaber. You should be getting 25 homers with seven, eight steals and a good average and a good OBP. I don't know. He's not playing every day either right now, so that doesn't even help the confidence, uh, which is, uh, you know, something you don't talk, he did, you don't talk he about did, a lot. They did play eight games in a row, and then he sat a couple of times, and now he's played. Yeah. He's in the lineup today, so now he's played three out of four uh, games. I was going to say three in a row, I think. Or what is it three out of four? I thought it was three in a row. Three I know, out of four. Because I, yeah. I know there was a time where he sat, like he sat two out of five, and – recently that's why i'm like it's frustrating because it's like they're jerking his playing time around he last i looked over the last seven games because i've been hyper focused on re trying to catch trends as they go glaber's hitting like 273 he's just been an empty 273 i think once that um and he of course he gets the orioles today which we know from the past he crushes orioles but uh we'll see i i'm not out on him fully yet i think he's a good buy low and redraft but like in 10 teamers especially without MI spot, he's getting real fringe in terms of like, he's still a stash type because I th I still view Torres as a stash in the same likes as I view Adele as a stash in a shallow format. I'm, now I'm talking about redraft because I'm always redraft centered in my brain, but uh, it's just one of those things where it's like those guys offer the potential to be difference making comp compared to what's on the waiver wire. So instead of like, unless you have to turn and burn to keep up with league stats, these are guys that you want to keep on your bench. And that, that goes, that should go without saying in deeper formats, but Ty France, you think the opposite about him, don't you? I don't think the opposite about him. I like Ty France. Um, what I was getting at is that people might. So a lot of people around the industry, this is kind of what I do in dynasty leagues. Alec Baum is the perfect example. If some, if a lot of guys like a prospect and I look underneath and don't really like what I see, I will sell high. Because, you know, all, all the people that play in these dynasties, 90% of them follow um, all the big dynasty accounts. They, you know, listen to other people to get their opinions. Um, and it's not that I don't respect other people's opinions. It's that, that 
Um, some dynasty players use more scouting than numbers. So I will generally, I use the numbers basically. And if I don't agree with their assessment, you know, I'll sort of sell high on a player based on that. So Ty France is the perfect example. A lot of people, um, you know, really love Ty France going into this redraft and dynasty. And I think he's a good player. He's definitely like a solid major leaguer. But if you can get someone like Labor Torres for Ty France or someone like Joe Adele for Ty France, which I honestly think you can do um, in a dynasty league, I would do that in a heartbeat. I just don't really see a high ceiling for France just because he's like a 20 homer, 340 OBP guy that hits in the mediocre lineup in a bad hitters park. The only thing that could possibly change France's outlook is that if the humidor really improves Safeco Park, um, but judging off Jesse Winker's like seven flyouts to the warning track, I don't think that's the case. I feel so bad for that guy. Uh, yeah, he's literally been robbed of a home run twice and we're 15 games into the season. Like, I don't even know how it's possible. But um, yeah, looking under the hood too, Ty France really hasn't changed anything. He just happened to hit four home runs in five and six games or something. So it's a combination of selling high on the hot streak and I think a lot of dynasty people love Ty France. So I think you can actually get a decent home from, again, I would much rather have, I think Gleyber Torres is going to put up similar numbers to France, but he plays short and is on a much better offense in a much better park. Um, and he's a few years younger too. And then Adele, I would much rather have than France. Um, even if you're trying to win now, you, you can trade 27, 28 year olds for potential bench players like Torres and Adele. Um, that could turn into starters. Yeah, that doesn't like a trout could get hurt tomorrow. And Adele is an everyday player. Obviously, that's not something you want to do in a redraft league. But in Dynasty, you can do something like that. Um, you have 40 players on your team. You, you, can tra- you can afford to trade one guy that I really don't think is going to be um, a huge impact player. And- All right. And a couple of youngsters here. Well, I don't know if Espinal is I'm already ruined the tease. I don't know. I know Espinal is not terribly young, but he's just kind of a guy that's kind of coming into his own, put on some weight. You're seeing a little bit of power, a little bit of speed. And then Christian Pache, another guy where he's getting the playing time. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think Ramon Laureano should affect that. Laureano will play every day. They should play together in that outfield and have just an elite defensive outfield, which is great for those pitchers. But um, ultimately, what are you doing with these two guys? Yeah, so I just wanted to throw out two names that I've seen like changes from that I really like that you can probably even pick up in some dynasty leagues. Pache is crushing and I've heard from a lot of scouts and a lot of people that he's not going to be a good hitter. They compared him to like Manny Margot, and he's not going to be an impact bat. That might be the case, but I'm willing to find out. Just because his his average EV on fly balls and line drives right now is 95 miles an hour. And I know that's a really small sample, but that's like really, really good. Um, his stri- His zone contact is like good. It's like 84% or something. I think it's 86% on fan graphs, 82% on baseball savant. I don't know how they have different numbers, but they do. Either way, it's a good number. Um, And he doesn't walk. The reason why that might be a good thing for someone like Pache is that with his crazy sprint speed, I'd want him to put more balls in play. It might help his average a little bit, and it might allow him to hit more home runs. Um, the one downfall is that he's not, he's probably never going to be a guy that walks. He chases a lot and that's fine. Like you're picking this guy up. You're not expecting him to be a perfect player. I just think in a deeper dynasty league, even a 12, 15 team dynasty league, you can pick up Pache and he's like the perfect bench guy that you can put in um, if guys get hurt. And even if that's not the case, if you're trying to win now, you can sell him if he, you know, has a breakout because everything I see under the hood, I think he's going to have like a, 
2010 season and play every day. All right. Well, we're going to move right along to pitching. Obviously, I'm going to let you do the most, more of the talking finally because uh, my wife <laughs> and kids are on their way home, and we have a few more names to get to. So let's try to run through some of these pictures you have written down here. Uh, in Dynasty, overall, it looks like you want to talk about general strategy you have in terms of chasing certain types of players on the pitching side and a few names here you want to run through. Yeah, so I think um, it's really important to not look at ERA and WHIP early in the season, even in June. I don't care about ERN. You really want to look at fastball velocity. You want to look at stuff. Um, if you're um, if you subscribe to the Athletic, Eno Saris has this whole spreadsheet that you can look at stuff. Plus, um, it's really useful. It's predictive. It's not like some stat that you know he just came up with uh, overnight or something. He's been working on this for years, and it's super useful in trying to identify breakout arms. Um, but a guy like Joan Duran, um, I would be looking to buy just because I think people thought he was either going to be the closer or a starter right away. And because he's a middle reliever, there's, this is probably like the opportunity to buy the next Josh Hader. Um, and even though you might think, oh, closers aren't important in dynasty leagues, they're really important, especially because you can get one now that's super cheap. Um, you know, his fastball velocity is off the charts. He throws like a 95 mile an hour splitter. Like this guy, he's not human. Right now, he has a 44% strikeout rate and a 5% walk rate. Obviously, it's a small sample, but um, I think you can potentially get the best closer in baseball three years from now at a decent discount. Um, in one of my dynasties, I gave up Matt Manning and, and uh, Jake Odorizzi for him. Would you not do that trade 10 times out of 10? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, it's, I want, you did that. I'm assuming you did that before Manning hit the IL, though. I did it before this. I did it but still, uh, during spring training. Right now, um, Manning, I mean, Manning's value is down again, but his, his value was back up. I would have done, I mean, back then, I don't know. I was, a, I was kind of a Manning guy. I'm not going to lie. I was. I, I've cooled. So, so you might have accepted that if I saw I might have. Uh, depends on if I saw, if I saw Duran pumping 100, no. <laughs> but uh, so I probably would have been like, oh, which hype am I buying more? <laughs> it would have been definitely torn. But yeah, I mean, now looking back, obviously hindsight, being 2020 yeah you can yeah i just don't think the price is going to be that high for him and again i really think he's the next josh Hader. it might not happen this year even though i think he'll eventually get some saves this year but you have to look forward um and stuff is i mean his stuff is ridiculous you don't even have to look at the numbers just watch him pitch (laughs) he's literally throwing 96 mile hour splitters i don't i don't think that's ever like has anyone ever done that before He's, he's like an alien man uh brian reynolds hit the COVID io by the way while while recording this someone just sent that to me so that's very unfortunate that's yeah. frustrating uh, now, did they play yesterday no they didn't i just went and looked perfect so we gotta take him <laughs> yeah gotta got a rush to take him out very uh, fun oh okay. games, hey, don't start, games don't start for another two hours so. better now than on you know the day after they lock so that's always nice Thank you for the update pirates on lineup lock day, not a day late. Um, that's going to be, that's another thing. It's like, it's like uh, we're avoiding landmines this year, but anyway, two more names on this list. If you want to get to those guys real quick. Yes. Yeah, so the other guy's Matt Brash. Um, another perfect buy low. If someone sees like all of his, and again, by buy low, I don't mean you don't want to send the people you're trying to trade with like these bullshit. You don't want to send like a fringe prospect for Matt Brash. To someone. You're going to have to pay up for these guys. It's just that the price is much lower now than it was before the season. Um, and I think this guy's like potentially this year's Trevor Rogers. I think he's going to have that good of a season. And I know right now he has a 20% strikeout rate and a 17% walk rate. And that looks really bad. But under the surface, um, I think he has the best slider in Major League Baseball. I'm not even joking. He might actually. Um, 
And his numbers are a lot better than you'd think. His in-zone pitch percentage, the amount of pitches he throws in the zone, is actually higher than league average. Um, his whiff rate is above average. And his CSW, I think, is like a crazy number. I thought I had his Fangrass pitch pulled up, but I don't. I think he has like a 30% CSW. Um, I'll tell you in five seconds. <laughs> As it loads. He has a 30% CSW this year. Don't you love so, that you look at numbers so much that you say it, you want to double check, but you, you already <laughs> knew the answer? Like, uh, Yeah, I mean, no, no one should be on baseball Savannah Fangrass as much as I am. But um, that's the beauty of not working on Mondays and Tuesdays. This is all I do. Um, but yeah, I just, I think, um, the walk rate was inflated just because of one bad start. He walked like six guys against the Astros. Um, so it's going to look way worse. And then against the Royals, I know that line looks horrible, but I watched the whole game and it really wasn't that bad. Um, he just got squeezed a couple times and then, you know, I, I don't know. He, d- he didn't pitch as bad as the line looked, but this guy has ace potential. I don't think he's in any danger of losing his starting job unless he's like bad for another month. But the, the Mariners have guys like Marco Gonzalez and Chris Flexen who could easily be um, swing men or six starters. Like George Kirby's going to be up eventually. And I don't think Brash is going to be the one that suffers. It's going to be someone like Flexen or Gonzalez that they're really not good pitchers. Um, and the Mariners are going to try to win this year. They're not going to, if Brash is pitching well, they're not going to send him down or anything like that. But um, it's just chasing, again, chasing stuff is so important in Dynasty Leagues. And it's not just moving forward. I think this year, Brash is going to have a huge impact arm. Um, his stuff is just off the track. That's Matt Brash on the Seattle Mariners. All right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I, I see you highlighted one more name because I'm like, guys, skipped over that one. Uh, quick thoughts on Spencer Strider. He's on this list. Yeah, Spencer Strider is another guy. Again, this um, he's different than Brash. He's more of like the Joan Duran, where I think he's going to impact down the road. Um, I mean, the velocity is just off the charts. His average fastball velo is 98.5, um, and he has a wipeout slider. Um, I guess the Braves like these guys, like these two pitch, three pitch guys like um, Strider and Enola that just throw a million miles an hour with wipeout sliders. Strider might not be a starter this year unless they have injuries, but he's someone down the road. I think in my one in some of my dynasty leagues, I took him at like pick 700. And he's a middle reliever right now, so I can't imagine his value is that high. But he's someone I would pick up if he's if he's dropped or try to trade for. You know, similar to we know him, maybe you give up like a second or third round pick and a first year player draft for him. Again, you're just chasing stuff. Um, the guy's gonna have a crazy strikeout rate because he throws a million miles an hour. And I I personally see him being a starter from 2023. All right, so that's Joan Duran, Spencer Strider, and Matt Brash. On the pitching side of things, uh, moving over to the prospects to consider adding. You have four names here, and then we're going to wrap it up. Yeah, and we'll just do this real quick. Um, this one, uh, shout out to uh, Graham Shrimp Rope, Shrimp Boat Captain on Twitter. Shrimp Rope. He, <laughs> <laughs> shrimp Boat Captain. He kind of pointed this guy out to me, and I've been doing some digging in, into him. Really like what I'm seeing. Um, his name is Damon Keith. Obviously, when there's a prospect that you've never heard of that's on the Dodgers that's performing, you want to pick him up immediately. Really, I should just end there. You don't even need to go deeper into it. But um, uh, he has ridiculous power. Um, it, ha- it didn't show in the complex league last year. He only had a 217 ISO. But um, some exit velocities that I saw um, from an article um, where he has like crazy power. So now, in 2022, even though he's he's old for A-ball, he's 22, he probably should have been in A-ball last year, 
So we're going to have to see if these changes stick. He has a 17% strikeout rate right now. If someone with that kind of power can only strike out 20 to 25% of the time, like this dude's going to be like an elite, not an elite power bat, but I kind of see him being like a Connor Joe type. Maybe he's not up until like he's 26 years old. And then he turns into this 280 hitting 25, 30 homer bat that can't play defense. Um, and that's why he's ranked so low in uh, in prospect ranking. That often happens. That happened to uh, like Jordan Alvarez. He wasn't in Keith Law's top 100 prospects because he couldn't play defense as if it matters when you have a thousand OPS. But um, <laughs> Seth Beer is making it work, right? Seth, Seth Beer is another perfect example. He, I don't think he was a top 100 prospect either. And he's, he's, I was going to say he's not a Jordan level prospect either, but he's no. a guy that is pretty much a Utah only type of guy. Gets some first base reps because I think they feel bad for him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, yeah. yeah. No, no, it's just exactly. And even Connor Joe, um, everyone thought Ryan Maltapia was going to play over him this year. And I mean, he's a stud bat. I think uh, Damon Keith is going to have a similar type of um, career arc than Connor, to Connor Joe. He's going to be like a fringe outfield type until he figures it out. And then he's going to be an everyday player. Um, it's just someone to pick up. He's, <laughs> I picked him up in my 30 team dynasties. So I know for a fact he's owned in ev- basically every single dynasty. I think he's owned in 1% of So, so Oh, my dog got crazy. Oh, my, my family's home. Um, next name. Uh, next guy is Mason. And we can just do these. We can just do these two. We can save the other ones for next week. I'll just do Mason win uh, real quick. He was a second round pick for the Cardinals last year. He was actually going to pitch. Um, he throws like a hundred miles an hour. He's a freak athlete. Um, but now it looks like he's just going to hit. He has a 15% strikeout rate and 11% walk rate in high A. He has 60 raw power, 60 speed with, it looks like decent plate discipline numbers and the Cardinals are better at developing major leaguers than any other organization in baseball. The Cardinals felt more, there's more car. If you go around every organization, there's going to be someone who was on the Cardinals at one point, they're better at drafting than anyone. So that makes me even more confident in Mason Wynn. Um, again, I don't think he's, he's a lot more popular than uh, Damon Keith because he was a second round pick, but I don't think he's owned in, what did I have down? He's owned in 15% of leagues. So there's a decent amount. I picked him up in two leagues last night um, to my dynasty. So he's definitely going to be available in a lot of dynasties. Yeah, um, you got... Uh, again, not as much as Damon Keith, but... Yeah, Damon Keith, 1%, I'll say 1% owned in Fantrax is impressive. You know how hard it is to be available in 1% of leagues? Uh, yeah, yeah. Damon, Damon Keith is a much like better find than Mason Wynn. But Wynn, I just kind of found just going through... Um, some numbers on fan graphs I sorted by like ISO and then I looked at strikeout rate um, but then I saw he was a second round pick and he has 60 raw power and 60 speed like that's the, exactly the kind of player I want to buy, bet on and then even better that he's on the Cardinals um, so yeah again I don't want to go too much into it it's not that complicated uh, good organization plus good skills that's what you want to look for. when's his ETA I only asked because uh, I feel like the Cardinals uh, are super loaded and well, he's they... only he's only in high A Oh, so, so we're talking like three years plus. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't expect him anytime soon. But then again, the Cardinals do make a ton of trades. Um, <laughs> yeah. So many, so many of their, again, like I said before, so many of their prospects um, are on different teams. You know, Adelise Garcia, uh, they traded Sandy Alcantara. Rosarena. Rosarena, they traded. There's a whole list of guys that they just dealt that were. Uh, Luke Voigt, Lane Thomas, Luke Voigt, Lane Thomas. There's a bunch of them and they're going to keep happening. So even though the Cardinals have 
Um, I think eventually Tommy Edmund plays shortstop and Nolan Gorman plays second. That's so what I'm thinking. It has to happen no, soon. Yeah, yeah. So eventually there's going to be nowhere for Wynn to play because those guys are probably going to be on the Cardinals three years from now. Uh, Edmund is, I mean, I know he's looking good to start, but I still think he's a fringe, more of a better, better serve as a util type. That's just my two cents. I could be wrong. Sure, sure. No, that, that's fair. And I don't know how good of a defensive shortstop win is, but um, at the very least right now, the Cardinals have no answer at short. So maybe Edmund isn't a good shortstop, like defensively, and there's still a hole there. Um, but again, it's three years from now, and we have no idea. So I think right now you just got to pick up win. Uh, it's a free pro, and I think he's going to climb up, shoot up draft board um, if he keeps this up. Uh, not draft boards, prospect ranks. And that's even gonna, better because you could just flip them if you don't need them. Exactly. That's the point. That's the main point of this. You pick them up while no one knows them. Then someone in prospects live uh, talks about them. Then they shoot up prospect rankings. <laughs> then you trade. Then you trade them. That's it's like clockwork. You just keep doing it, keep churning, and that's how. Yeah, that's another way to win a thing. Yeah, because sometimes these prospects, they're most valuable while they're running hot in the minors. So if you get ahead of that, and like you mentioned, all it takes is one, one big name prospect type of guy to pump. Like, heck, we call it the Eno tax and redraft, right? You get an account yeah. like that where everyone follows them for prospect dynasty content, and they're, they go from being Mason Wynn, 15% rostered, to Mason Wynn. 35% rostered, you know, and now you have the hottest commodity because he's breaking the top 100s. So yeah, yeah. that's why I, I do miss, I need to get back into dynasty. I actually had to give up all my leagues. I just couldn't do them all. I just wish, I wish I could just do them on. I wish that we could take fan tracks player pool and like, I've gotten used to playing on there, but move it over to NFBC where I have, where I play all my leagues. It'd be really convenient. I hate <laughs> jumping from site to site, man. That's true. It, it is kind of annoying. I think I play on four different sites. Ugh, it's a little, it's a little annoying. A little much, man. But all right. Um, appreciate you joining me. I'm glad we got a chance to finally, finally, after saying we're going to do this, finally do it. Um, we're going to try to do this at least once a week. This is a fun little, you know, fun little like look at redraft players performing. They're looking at their dynasty outlook and then obviously getting to some of the prospect stuff, which is what you specialize in way more than me, among other things. So um, thanks again for joining me, Ryan. Uh, Obviously, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ven underscore Armbarn. Highly recommend it. Also, you can find his written work on SK Playbook, Fan Tracks. You also are going to start doing more of your own thing. Like, if you want more Dynasty and Prospect stuff, we do once a week here. He's going to be doing close to daily, if not daily, Monday through Friday on your next next on deck podcast. Correct? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm going to record right after this. Perfect. I'm, guess, I'm just going <laughs> to basically just going to go over um, basically what I just did, but for like different players as I see trends basically as the year goes on. So every oh. day I'm going to do like five, six players, what I see in their profile. If you want to buy low, sell high. And that's what I'm going to do. Sweet. And you can catch that on next on deck podcast. Um, but again, uh, that's everything. Don't forget to follow us, uh, follow me on Twitter as well. If you'd like at Mike underscore Curland and uh, check us out on Patreon again, patreon.com slash SK playbook, where these are things that we talk about prior to recording. So it's like, this stuff is available sooner there and you have your questions. We answer them on the Discord. It's on the Discord, obviously that's attached to the Patreon um, among other things. And uh, the month of May is coming up. So if you want to wait till May 1st to start, so you don't get charged twice, that's fine. $3. And um, it's my birthday month. So come hang out. <laughs> I'm going to guilt people into it. No, um, <laughs> in all seriousness, we appreciate you listening. Episode 176 is in the books and we'll talk to you. Next time.